0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Feeling Seen podcast, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. Uh, My co-host for today is another one of those uh, incredible opportunities that when the name came through the channel, came through the transom, I immediately texted my producer in all caps like, oh, my God, um, we have this chance Like, we should take it. And it uh, could be a fave of yours from the Mike Flanagan universe in shows like The Haunting of Blind Manor or Midnight Mass. Could be a fave of yours if you are a big fan of the CW show. I, Zombie, could be a soon to be favorite of yours if you're really looking forward to something like The Fall of the House of Usher or the wonderful, melancholic, dark comedy Next Exit that you will have the opportunity to see soon on various channels of your preference. Um, Rahul Kohli, Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. Uh, better now that you're here. Uh, <laughs> do you do you want to tell us a little about Next Exit to start off, or would you like me to tell the people about Next Exit? I feel like you're the authoritative source You've here. You've
1: probably seen it more recently than I have, <laughs> oh, really? to be honest. Yeah, probably.
0: When did you make yeah. this?
1: January, or it started January 2021. So it started with, um, I was filming Midnight Mass and while we were in production, which was like, you know, the first, one of the first shows to shoot during the pandemic. Yeah. So I was, I was deep in in that. I think we were approaching the end and um, Mike texted me or emailed me Marley script mm-hmm. for next exit. Um, Mike Marley seems like, asserted, a, Mike
0: Flanagan seems like a good hookup to have.
1: He is, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you, he's definitely, um, he's definitely well connected and loved by peers. Mm-hmm. Um, he just like randomly was asking me if I wanted to meet Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, now, but later,
0: yeah. lunch, something more formal. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but he, uh, yeah, he, he, he had asked me if I I'd, I'd wanted to check out Marley's script, and then I had also received the script from Rose MacIver. Mm-hmm. 'Cause she's a good friend of Marley's. And I'd also received the script from my manager, Kimberlin, <laughs> who's also Rose's manager. So I got triangulated. Oh, wow, okay, economy. yeah. And and I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> interested. Um I couldn't think of anything I wanted less than to work again. Mm-hmm. Um we had bubbled for God knows how long we originally I mean, I I was doing it's a long journey, but <clears throat> I went from Bly Manor, which was my first job out of I iZombie. Mm-hmm. Um, within a, m- a few days, Mike had already started hinting, like after we'd worked together on the first day or two, that he wanted me for something else. Mm. By November of Bly Manor, he had offered me Midnight Mass, and that was going to end up being filmed three weeks after Bly finished. Wow. So I was going to have like no prep, and then the day before filming, was COVID, mm-hmm. March 13th. So, <clears throat> but in that period of time, even though we were effectively done for five months, uh, there was no concrete date as to when we'd be back. Mm-hmm. So, those were still spent stressing about the character and prep because you didn't know when they were going to, you know, decide, hey, right. you need to be here now. We can do this. Um, and then now Marley has this script for next exit and the original shoot date was 10 days after I wrapped. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, nah, yeah. it's just a, it was a hard no. It's <laughs> just like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. Wow. And, and, and you know, they told me that it's a road trip that was going to be shot almost sequentially through America oh, starting wow. in Kansas. Yeah. All the way to LA. And we were just pit stop. You were really
0: shooting raids. at pit stops like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. We wow. stayed at the motel. That motel that the, the you see in the movie, mm-hmm. the the where they go into their separate rooms. Yeah, we were staying in that motel. We were on the other side, but that we were living at those locations. Um, so anyway, so the script came through, and when I eventually read it, um, I really liked it, and I liked the premise, and I liked the 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 kind of idea of there being this world where they've now proven that there's life after death mm-hmm. and 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 it kind of touched upon i mean at, at its core it's a road trip movie mm-hmm. but but the the premise and the world that it said and with this idea that people were opting out um because there's now substantial proof that there is life afterwards mm-hmm. i just i i don't know i just thought it was pretty interesting and obviously i was a, a, a you know i told marley this danny elfman was a big part of my childhood Mm -hmm. so the you know marley comes from you know quite a prestigious
0: (laughs) that's a a lineage Um,
1: yeah for sure so the the biggest reason i think i also took it was the sheriff was a very stoic Mm -hmm. character um who i spent six seven months playing everything with a guy pushing it down kind of not allowing his emotions to kind of bubble
0: you were bubbling within the bubble of midnight mass during covid
1: yeah yeah for sure so it was and 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 i was doing an american accent with no dialect coach on set because of covid Mm -hmm. so there was that stress and then i was also learning i'm not muslim so i was having to learn Mm -hmm. islamic prayer and i had a A consultant there with me teaching me the correct ways to to do them so it was a it was a job of prep Mm -hmm. it was a job of discipline um again i'm I'm playing almost 10 years my senior and having a son and Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of reasons to feel insecure and 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 always switched on so when teddy came along i was like i'll do it if you can do a couple of things which is not shoot 10 days away Mm -hmm. um just give me some breathing room just so i can like let go of that mm-hmm. and just get onto this and uh can we not be american mm. so that was also another one i didn't want to do an accent on this i just i i wanted i i felt like with a two-hander in a in a road trip movie where we're going to be rolling mm-hmm. a lot of the time between takes and we're just going to be picking up and as we as we travel across america i didn't want to then be like Oh, I don't want to speak because I haven't had my dialect coach yeah. run me through the conventions of this line.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know? Yeah. So so I I really took it as a way to if if Midnight Mass was the methody <laughs> kind of over-prep yeah. discipline role, I wanted something that was far more loose mm-hmm. and um free uh and that's that's why I ended up doing it. Mhm.
0: Well, and, and, and next exit is the the story of, uh, like, uh, as Rahul said, this is a world in which we have discovered scientific proof. Dr. Karen Gillen has discovered scientific proof that people do pass over to the other side. They remain a sort of perceivable form, and they can be tracked, and she wants to study them. And so there is, you know, the the world around which is at once reacting to this in a sort of scared way saying that, like, this is unethical. You can't do this. And then there is a population of people who are very supportive of it and an even smaller population still that are like, this is my opportunity. I, I would like to opt out. I would like to participate in this study and I would like to leave this life of mine and try the next one. And you and Rose McIver are two people who are making a pilgrimage from one side of the country to the other.
1: Katie Parker. Katie
0: Parker. I'm sorry. Sorry. Rose McIver, what plays was in my head? Plays Rose. Yes.
1: <laughs> she plays a Rose. She,
0: yes, yes, yes. Sorry. You that was... Yeah. And... Katie Parker, you and Katie Parker making that road trip across the country to reach the institute where they are going to sort of relinquish their lives, and, and it for is, more
1: confusion, Rose McIver plays her sister. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, yes, she is present. Rose McIver is here. I didn't completely fuck that up. Um, <laughs> the ensemble is intact, um, and i i don't I don't have like a smooth way to get into it, but I hmm. so I'm just going to make the dive into. The the meat of obviously what we're here to discuss today is is a character that has resonated with you and sort of how character, the work we choose later in our life and the work we, we make later in our life, how we can connect back and what are the through lines to the things that have inspired and connected with us when we were, when we were younger or made a big impression. Mm-hmm. And the character that you presented to me was mm-hmm. uh, Danny LaRusso from- yeah the karate kid i'm the for the 1984 uh classic the karate kid now we're the same age i think we're both born in 1985 so Mm -hmm. that means this movie predated us a little bit so when did you come into contact then with the karate kid
1: much like how i discovered most things it was through my cousins okay uh they they served as sort of big brothers to me um so I got my Rocky from them. Uh-huh. I got Liverpool Football Club from them. <laughs> um, I got Star Wars to a certain degree, mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones. So it was it was all hand me downs, really. Mm. Um, w- in a weird twist of fate, the things that me and my sister ourselves cultivated and found were things like Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. We were big Tim Burton fans okay. growing up. Um, but but the Karate Kids, I can't even remember when I first saw it, but it was a the trilogy um was one of the kind of loved rewatched uh films in the coley house for sure and <laughs> was and it a family favorite too. or
0: was this you repeatedly being like we're putting on the karate kid we're putting to pull up the so, tape of the karate kid
1: no it was it was definitely family in fact i think it was probably more my sister my, okay. my younger sister really resonated like she started taking karate lessons and, <laughs> um And we also found – it sounds really silly to say this, and there's probably going to, you know, whatever. I'll say it anyway. But my mother is from Thailand, Mm. and –
0: My grandmother's from Thailand.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. They Um, would come
0: stay with us for, like, chunks of – every few years they would come for chunks for my grandpa of, like, four to six months and stay, and we would just get to have her around. And those were some of my favourite best times spent growing up was having her in the house. She's the
1: most wonderful woman. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we, uh, well, we didn't know. Well, we did know, but we'd never met our mum's side of the family. My mum obviously emigrated herself mm-hmm. and I had this grandma, my my nan and my grandpa, uncles and, and aunties. And there was this whole life in Thailand that I, I was very close to my dad's side of the family who lived in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, when we were like, I think I was eight years old, we took our first trip to Thailand and I basically met my grandparents for the first time. Oh wow, eight-year-old. Yeah. And it's not like there was any drama, it's just that it was the only time we decided to go. Yeah. And um, you know, we were being exposed to a completely different culture. Um and see, now this sounds problematic, but to a child, it's all the same shit. So I don't <laughs> care. But it was like when Daniel Larusso went to Okinawa uh-huh. for me and my sister, right? Like yeah. just being fish out of water in an Asian country.
0: God, this looks like the town the time forgot. Yeah. Oh,
1: my <laughs> I think we went to school together. I would introduce you, but I forget name. Learning about traditions and 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 eating different food mm-hmm. and whatever. So like, and I. <laughs> So that film got a lot of play too. But the reason they <laughs> chose LaRusso was because this is really dumb, but Ralph Macchio in that movie is really dark skinned. Yeah. He's, he's, and I will obviously am you know, a tan, but I was pretty fair and, It felt like representation to a kid who didn't know what someone from New Jersey was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he looked like me.
0: Well, and he's very, like, he arrives in this kind of, like, almost Aryan- part of the valley where like all of his enemies are blonde blue-eyed rich kids from encino like elizabeth shue formative goddess beautiful blonde blue-eyed johnny evil blonde blue-eyed like one kid has a shock of bleach blonde blue dyed blonde hair steve mcqueen's
1: son the guy who plays dutch dutch
0: dutch his name is dutch like he even arrives in a like (laughs) physically polarizing environment in that way where he's being attacked by these tiny fascistic bullies with blue eyes and blonde hair
1: and his you know his best friend Mm -hmm. is a a, a man of color Mm -hmm. um and when he first gets to the the kind of poorer area he's obviously he's in the valley and stuff Mm -hmm. i think his first friend is freddie who i believe is Latino. Hey, Freddie Fernandez, apartment seventeen. Daniel Russo. Yeah, he good Hey, let me help you. Oh no, no, no it's it's okay. Okay. I got to do it, but It's fine. it's, nice. fine. it's heavy. Yeah. It's <laughs> heavy, man.
0: Hey, uh, where you from?
1: New Jersey. Ah, what you doing out here? Well, my mom got a job with some company out here. Rocket computers, flight of the future. I don't
0: know. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it's up and coming. And
1: so, like, as a as a little brown kid, you know, would you know, dark features and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, you I looked like Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. That's the kid I look like, you know. And so it was the first representation without knowing what representation is. Mm-hmm. And it's I, you know, again, I don't care what anyone has to say. That's how I felt I was a kid. Um and and not only that, much like myself, I was subjected to teasing and bullying. Mm-hmm most kids are but what the representation i saw was is what happens when a kid is bullied but he's also got a mouth on him (laughs) and I hadn't seen that before because Ralph, Daniel LaRusso isn't a pushover. No, he is not. He himself is a cocky, like, he talks shit, Mm -hmm, he smacks mm -hmm. Johnny.
0: He's got one day of protection under his belt with Mr. Miyagi making the deal with the dojo and he goes up to those guys as an antagonizing them in, like, the plaza of the high school. He's like, wow, it's sure a shame that you guys got so fucked up last night by me. Like, hate to have that happen again. Yeah.
1: All right, watch this. Hey, guys, how you doing? It's good to see you. Hey, sorry about the eye today, Johnny. Shoulder okay, Tommy? You guys be careful not to go step in front of any more buses now,
0: all right? You have one day of a get-out-of-jail-free card on you right now, and you are out here stirring the pot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, as as funny as it is, I identified with that mm-hmm. because I've always had a mouth on me, <laughs> and I've always been up for a fight. Yeah. And, you know... <laughs> he's it's kind of a, a gray character because he has bitten off more than he can chew and i think miyagi says it best when he's like one-on-one's not a problem five-on-one's a problem yeah and that is what it is because if it was just johnny i think ralph would uh, daniel would have been fine yeah he's but been he scrapping back
0: in newark like he says like yeah. he fought on the like he was used to fighting on the block with kids yeah. like that wasn't new Absolutely. to
1: him. and he even says he took karate at some point <laughs> he just is out of his depth here yeah. he said he, he took it at the y or whatever yeah <laughs> i gotta take karate that it. You took a ride No, not, not, not at
0: the white, a good school. Fighting doesn't solve anything. Oh well, neither does palm trees, ma. That's not fair. Yeah, well, like it was fair coming out here without asking me how I felt about it, right? That was really fair.
1: Right, but but it was just it was just the kind of character you don't see where like he's <laughs> he's a kid who and and even when I was being picked on, mm-hmm. I was still. I couldn't help it. Mm -hmm. If I could get the upper hand, I might stir the pot. Or, (laughs) you know, I I I got in trouble for dumb shit too. But I'm gonna get back again. But I'm
0: gonna pop off right now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and so there was there was layers to that. And and I I don't know. I've always felt like the fish out of water, no matter where I am. You know, whether it be through class Mm -hmm. or race Mm -hmm. or being indian but being british Mm -hmm. or then being a british but being in america Mm -hmm. um you know being on american shows but being british
0: well and have it like you know you find yourself with a with a a director that like you read this script that you really loved with next exit you're like i'm gonna break a rule that i had for myself as i will take this part because i do believe enough in this but you even Mm -hmm. find yourself in positions having to advocate for just using your own natural speaking voice like I don't find myself in positions where I have to be like, hey, can I just talk like me? Can I just like say yeah. my my words and my life with my voice? That's not a conversation <laughs> I've ever had to have with anybody. And that's just cool. a part of how you understand you need to advocate for yourself in this life. Is like, hey, can oh. I just like be all the things that are me? Great, thanks so Absolutely. much. Absolutely.
1: And I, I think it's because I'm so fortunate that one of the th- things I have, a pr- uh, it's been a privilege for me, is uh, I can say no. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to say no since I was a kid. And I've never been, it doesn't matter who it's to, what level of authority um, or how much power someone has over me. I'm really good at saying no.
0: That is a superpower in the specific industry that you have chosen to pursue.
1: Absolutely. And I don't stay up at night making uh regretting choices i made mm-hmm. i will stay up at night upset or being if i've ever felt like i was forced to do something i didn't want to do mm-hmm. so there's been projects at times where it wasn't and it wasn't a yes for me mm-hmm. it was a yes from other people and i carry that around for six months mm-hmm. to a year fuming that i should have I, so i've always been like that i i i am someone who just likes to I know who who I know who I am, and I know what I like, and I know what I like. I, I don't like doing. So when it came to next exit, for instance, there's no ego. Mm-hmm. It was like the project's great. I love the script. Marley was 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 instilled a ton of confidence from the second I met her, and Excellent. I was like, I'd love to make this movie with her and and be one of her. You know, for a directorial debut, mm-hmm. I'm down for it. When it came to the accent. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I was like, "Hey, I'd like to do it like this." If it was a no, then it's 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 cool. It's not like a diva thing. It's not yeah. a power play. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just this is the way I'd like to do it. I I want you to do it like that. Okay, then you got to find someone else. Right. Yeah. And that's cool. We can maybe we'll catch you on the next one.
0: Have you have you found that with that being something that has been very instilled in you sort of intrinsically your whole life? Have you found that being in this industry where like. So I've had so many conversations with people in, in so many contexts where it seems like so much of a, especially an early part of a career before someone really feels like they have the momentum that can carry them into the next thing. And there's, there can be such that scarcity mindset that comes in of like, what if I say no to the next one? And that means nothing else happens.
1: No, I don't care. Okay. I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I do not live to work. <laughs> um. I I work to live, mm-hmm. and it, whether it's my dream job or whether it was the countless, you know, um, retail jobs and other things I did, mm-hmm. and background and working as a PA and a runner and stuff like that. Like, I <clears throat> I don't. Life's too short, and I, I'm not someone who is was ever going to be unhappy in a in, in and and give someone eight to ten hours of my day. Mm-hmm my life doing something i didn't want to do Mm -hmm. and i've walked away from jobs when i was broke Mm -hmm. and then i'll figure it out and i always figure it out so if this industry is like fuck him Mm -hmm. i don't care Mm -hmm. because i'll land on my feet because i believe in myself i i i i I decided to become an actor with no training (laughs) um out of nowhere because i wanted to do it well, it? It. you're very,
0: you're very good at it. It just would, you know, not oh, that you need you. that, not that you're looking for that, but like, I just appreciate would like it. to affirm in this moment with this opportunity to say like, well, you, you picked something that you had a real natural inclination towards. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. I've all, I, I don't care about me in that respect mm-hmm. either. No, like, I know I what you I don't care mean. about being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 if I don't mind being broke, <laughs> I don't want my friends or my family to experience that, but I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if I lose my job. Mm-hmm i'll figure it out i know how to live on a budget and so w- when it comes to acting um look I, I i come from a culture where you know the arts is something that not a lot of people in my culture come from mm. or pe- you know and i came into a world where there wasn't many roles for people who looked like me yeah. and it just is what it is and i still fucking did it mm-hmm. i did it when and and when everyone else was laughing and thought that this was just some dumb shit that you know this kid's doing, I i held on mm-hmm. and I'm I made it myself. I did it on my own. Um and I so I created this job and I'll destroy it if I want. Mm-hmm. And at no point will I ever allow it to compromise what I so if a role comes along or a project comes along and I don't want to do it, I'm not doing it. At the end of the day, you want to work with people who are passionate about your project. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to do someone the disservice of doing going through the motions of doing a job that i didn't want to do mm-hmm. when you could have worked with someone who did want to do it mm-hmm. who believed in your vision who believed in your script who believed in your character and i think that so that there is a a respect mm-hmm. there that i will say it's not for me and it's it doesn't mean that your script shit or or I, <laughs> I you know i think i'm better than you it's quite the opposite actually i probably don't think i'm good enough for it so i'd rather pass on that i've got enough money to buy model kits and, and pay for cigarettes and that's all i really need so like I, i'm not here to just become a multimillionaire. i'm here to be in interesting projects that speak to me and when i have compromised that i've deeply regretted it so i've probably got even worse
0: we're going to take a short break but we will be right back with more feelings seen and more rahul Kohli. and then i will have one quick thing before i go about the uh, titanic talent that is rebecca hall because i just watched resurrection let us stand together
1: i'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume whether it's our food our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation, the show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Hi, it's Kevin from MaxFun HQ. This year for Giving Tuesday, we're inviting you to a super fun tarot event. It's got some of your favorite Max Fun hosts, and it's for a great cause. Join Depression Mode's John Moe, Carrie Poppy of Ono Ross and Carrie, Stuart Wellington from The Flop House, Tom Lum from Let's Learn Everything, and Ellen Weatherford of Just the Zoo of Us. Your suggested $10 donation supports National Casa GAL and their work advocating for kids in foster care. That's This Giving Tuesday, November 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out MaximumFun.org slash events for more information and tickets to The Tarot Show with John Moe.
0: Welcome back to Feeling Seen. My co-host Rahul Kohli is one of the stars of Next Exit the debut feature from director molly elfman he's a mike flanagan regular having starred in the haunting of bly manor midnight mass and he even appears a little bit in the new the midnight club he's also going to be in the upcoming fall of the house of usher which we uh fans of the flaniverse are of course on the edge of our seats to finally get to see so let's pick it up right now with rahul This is something I've been thinking a lot about lately because it's sort of the notion of like having conversations with friends recently about like fighting against certain things like friends I know in this industry fighting against bullies and people who have hurt them and exploited them or fighting against choices that they have made previously that now they sort of live with the weight of like, why did I say yes to that? Why was I motivated by fear enough to take something to where I live with the weight of not being proud of the choice? and you know on i think within the conversation of like something like representation i it is so important to hear you say that in a public forum because there is such a resounding narrative still I think of the idea of but like well once I get to a point where I have enough sway to call my own shots then it's over for these bitches like then I'm gonna like I'm gonna build my house I'm gonna bring everybody in I'm gonna put a hand out and i put a hand up once I'm there once I'm big enough once I'm loud enough once I'm secure enough to do those things there's a problem things. with that yes
1: and it's, and it's what well, I didn't compromise because mm-hmm. in order to get there I would have had to have taken roles that I didn't want like yeah. I played terrorists and I just muddied the pool Made my and I like that's what was available to me. Mm -hmm. I had no money, and they wanted people to play Seven Eleven bombers that happened in London. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'll play this guy. It's a a arranged marriage story made for and I'm like, no, I'm not fucking interested Mm -hmm. in it. And I and I I, when even when I came into I Zombie, you know. I very much was new and I I wasn't exactly calling any shots mm-hmm. by any means. I mean, I had no, I wanted this job and I would have done everything they said, but I still made it clear that yes, I'm playing the nerdy doctor. Yes. Within that, that kind of leans into sort of an ethnic stereotype. Mm-hmm. Well, the Asian's the smart one, mm-hmm. you know, the Asian's the doctor. Yeah. Okay, cool. But then when we had discussions, we started building it. We, we spoke about avoiding stereotypes and that maybe Ravi is, is we don't make references to his past. We don't do storylines that are rooted in in South Asian culture. Mm-hmm. That we we leave that aside. And I did that with no negotiating power. And they were like, great, mm-hmm. we're happy with that. And then what do I get? I get a bunch of people who are like, oh, that's me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that was great representation. Because representation, that's the thing, like, you also, I, you know, you can catch me in a mood, and and all of a sudden, you know, I, I I'm I'm I flip, depending on my my attitude towards stuff, yeah. and like with with representation, sometimes I feel the weight of representation, mm-hmm. and I care, and other days I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't want to talk about it, and I don't want to have to talk about what I represent, yeah, because it's not, you know, I'm I'm here to just fucking be an actor, yeah. not 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 a uh, uh, you know some sort of motivational uh, that's i can't you know what i mean that's right, not, yeah. that's
0: it's not e- I, it's, I f- it's not egalitarian to have a percentage of people who carry the weight of responsibility for an entire population right. behind them that that that, that right. in fact is not equality
1: yeah and some days i'm down for it mm-hmm. and other days i don't want anything to do with it mm-hmm. and it's just it's dependent on my mood tough but like but 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 I, I, sometimes i think with representation where when we talk about script writing mm-hmm. I I am representing because it's a visual medium and you can see me. So if you can, so just by my presence, I've done it. That's representation. (laughs) Yeah. So now that you've got me, it doesn't mean that we then have to then get real smart and start like putting that person into a box. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not representation. Representation to me was always, I use seven as a great example Mm. because to a certain degree, the only conventions that they use in seven, they don't actually use race mm. or anything to do with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. What they use is experience and age, uh-huh. right? Both those roles could have been interchangeable with anyone mm. and nothing would have changed. I don't think Brad had to be white. that His whiteness wasn't spoken about. He wasn't exactly accepted immediately and climbed any. There was none of that male. He had white privilege. They weren't speaking on that. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing to do with Morgan Freeman in that respect and where he stood uh and 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 it didn't really play with any of those conventions it was literally a thriller mm-hmm. about an old cop and a young cop mm-hmm. a detective to me if i was to then <clears throat> be the Brad pitt role and nothing changed. Mm-hmm. There's your representation. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. You saw... I'm on... Just like going back to Ralph Matcha when I thought he was Indian. <laughs> I didn't need to see him eat curry. Right. I didn't need to to hear things to go, oh my God, I do that too. Mm-hmm. I just saw someone who looked like me and I was like, oh, I identify with that. And that's... and 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 there are other actors. We're all different. We're all artists and we all want to bring our own flavor. And mm-hmm. I'm sure in another world someone on twitter could have accuse me of whitewashing myself and going well why don't you have more cultural stuff mm-hmm. well i don't want to yeah uh, i you know like if it doesn't serve the story mm-hmm. i'm not doing it just to tip tip my hat to an audience mm-hmm. and go yeah i get it we have the same dna yeah like midnight mass for instance was one of the only roles where race and religion was integral to that mm-hmm that had something to say Mm -hmm. and there was a real good reason to to be this color Mm -hmm. and play that role and and be the hero and 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 i did have conversations about representation on that one it's like i said it's a job-to-job basis sometimes i'm in the mood sometimes i'm not sometimes the material speaks to me and i want to play a role that only south Asians can play or, or or brown folk and sometimes i don't want to play those roles i want to play a role that's generic mm-hmm. and just insert myself into that into that story without like teddy mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with teddy's race um but i remember you know my best friend uh, mohammed uh, we grew up together and been best friends for over you know, 30 years but <laughs> i love that he 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 was who i called when Mike offered me midnight mass mm-hmm. and he's a practicing Muslim. And we've we, uh, been a part like at school and stuff like that. We would break, we would, our friends, we were atheists and and Mo was a Muslim mm-hmm. and we would wait until he could break fast before we would eat our sweets that we bought mm-hmm. after school. Like there was a respect for culture that wasn't yours that I, I had, mm-hmm. that I learned. So when it, when, when Sheriff Hassan came along, I called, I called Mo up and I was like, what do you want to see? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm representing someone else here. So this is different. I'm not Muslim. Mm -hmm. So there's a different responsibility here. And I, I want to be arrogant enough to make these assumptions myself. So I was like, what do you want to see? What haven't, what haven't you felt like has been represented? And he was just like, be a fucking good guy. Mm -hmm. Don't be gray. You know, Mm -hmm. like be a beacon of light, be. And I remember he, he, you know, he was talking about like, Be a hero, be a superhero, be good looking, work out, just look good, Mm -hmm. represent us. We need something good. Yeah. And and then it, you know, it led to even down to the costume and us going with this double dent, like we wanted like a superhero. It was like, to me, it's iconic, obviously, I live in my bubble, but like, (laughs) it was a real look that stood out from everyone else Mm -hmm. and, and, and. You know, we gave him a little slit on his eyebrow and he just, he I don't know. He was just a cool looking like, character. Yeah. And, and, yeah, anyway. So what was I saying about representation? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I'm ranting. But, no, but well, sometimes I, I, I'm in the mood for it and sometimes I'm not.
0: Do you feel like as you have, like, you know, re- one reaches certain sort of thresholds in their career where it sort of unlocks new doors and... Yeah. Via iZombie and then via working with Mike and then a movie like Next Exit where you play kind of get to not, you know, it's not a movie of heroes, but there is a sort of element of romantic heroism about your Mm -hmm. character in this. Like you are, you're sort of a a romantic leading man and you do an excellent job at it. And I I wondered if you feel like you have been able to unlock sufficient doors in front of you to have the panoply of just kinds of characters, variety of roles that you would like to have available to you. Like, do you do you feel like you are at this point where you can like choose from a stimulating enough palette of options to where you're like, yeah, I I don't think there's anything I can't do at this point. Or do you feel no. like you still have to knock down a f- couple no. of brick walls to? <laughs> oh,
1: I'm not, I'm not even close. Okay, to, to that, I I I feel like probably. It's probably Mike that makes it probably makes me look more successful and than I am. <laughs>
0: um, optics are everything.
1: It's, it's, yeah. He uh, obviously, I haven't auditioned for Mike since Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. So everything else has been, you know, here's my next project. Here's what I'm thinking for you. Go away, read it, mm-hmm. come back, create. Um, Marley was obviously through Mike and through some others was. You know, I didn't have to audition, but no, I'm fully in the audition game. I'm okay. fully, the the difference is, look, you know, a lot of people could say like, we, we spoke about no, the no's, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So someone could say to me, well, it's easy for you to say, no, you know, you don't have a mortgage. Correct. I have a very modest one bedroom apartment. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, well, you'd have to take roles if you've got to pay for school fees correct mm-hmm. which is why i don't have fucking kids Yeah,
0: so you're like the point thank is, you for telling me about a life i'm responsible to that i don't have
1: absolutely i'm maximizing my opportunity yeah. right now this is a, 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 an interesting time for me i um i don't think my career has started i think mm. it's i genuinely believe that it's real early and i get very ahead of myself sometimes and mm-hmm. i'm like no it's i you know i need, i want to be the lead of this and i want to do this and i want to yeah. play that and i want to play that and like even my girlfriend will remind me and, and she's like so the fall of the house of usher is your third or fourth show <laughs> and technically you're working with mike <laughs> you could include that as one show she's like you've is, had
0: one job since basically I yeah
1: and and she's like so why don't you chill the fuck out because you're back you know you know when you're winning and no, like she was like you put too much pressure on yourself like in theory yeah you know yeah. if you want to look at it like that mike has served as four seasons of a show mm-hmm. or three mm-hmm. actually cuz midnight club was was the cameo but so three seasons i've just done three seasons with mike back mm-hmm. to back after five seasons of zombie that's it mm-hmm. and then next exit <laughs> So when I get when I get uh, 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 angry with myself and ah uh, you know uh, uh, um, I'm not where I want to be and I need to I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do that yeah It's, I'm still a baby Mm -hmm. and I've barely got started and, and it's nuts to think that, but I'm
0: in the throes of that exact same thing. And fuck time only time moves so slowly when you're in the middle of waiting for the next thing. And then when you have it, it just sprints past you and you're like, shit, now I'm at that place again where I'm waiting. I'm at the waiting place.
1: Yeah, it really does. I'm making 19
0: Um, things in my head right now. What do you mean they're not real and they're not happening right in front of me? They're so resolved and it's so clear.
1: Yeah. 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 For sure. It's, (laughs) Yeah. So again, with, with the projects, like they've all been super varied Mm -hmm. and uh, even the voiceover stuff, you know, with Ghostbusters and and things like that, like Mm -hmm. they've, it's it's all, it's, it's not, there wasn't some grand plan. Mm -hmm. The difference is, is that I auditioned for a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. or kind of when i'm available which i haven't been so i have these really small windows like i'm approaching for the first time since bly manor Mm -hmm. so this is the first time since 2019 wow yeah and by the way so i wrapped i zombie in february Uh, even though it was our last season i was still technically on retainer in case something happened sure but that was my first ever pilot season hiatus. So I'd wrapped after five years. I had this window and a book Bly Manor. So that was the only time I was free mm-hmm. and didn't know what the next job was. And after I wrap this show I'm on right now at Christmas, that's the first time I'm now don't know my next job.
0: How's so that feel? I, How are you?
1: I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. It's the next, you know, I'm grateful and excited. I'm thankful that Mike is, has, you know allowed me to not have to think about what the next thing is for so long because they've been back to back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. um i had two weeks off between usher and this show (laughs) so i've not stopped and now i'm approaching my new and my manager's like hey what are we thinking january and i'm like i don't know maybe fucking july i don't know if i want to i don't know if i'm chomping at the bit to start working straight away but I'm super excited. And 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 the difference is, is again, because I'm comfortable, mm-hmm. because I, I have everything I need, you know, this TV works, <laughs> these miniatures, uh, you know, I, I have plenty to paint, plenty to smoke, <laughs> and I can afford milk for my tea. Like, as long as those things remain, I'll say no to shit I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. So even if I audition, I, I've got no problem going, it's not for me. I don't want to play it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah acting is not fun mm. acting the the bit between action and cut mm-hmm. that bit is my favorite thing in the entire world okay right the 17 hours around <laughs> that a day do i fucking hate there I are do not so love many hours
0: around you actually getting to do stuff when you're making absolutely absolutely
1: and most of my jobs, nine years of them or a decade of them, have been in Vancouver, in the same place. Right? Yeah. So I've not even been able to be home for most for the last ten years. Wow. So when I say yes to your project, mm-hmm. it's it's not just you know identifying with the character, feeling inspired, wanting to create something, wanting to give you my best, mm-hmm. wanting finding magic or lightning and making that something special. It's also moving away, being on the road being pissed off Mm -hmm. because i don't and again it's one of those things i'm getting old now i have stopped pretending that i'm happy all the time right okay i'm trying which is like yeah i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not blessed every day to be here no it's a job (laughs) and like why the fuck aren't we filming why have i been here for nine hours what's going on Mm mm-hmm it's okay to ask these questions. It's my job. It's mm-hmm. my workplace. You know, I never disrespect anyone. I'm not a bully, but at the same time, I don't, ha- I I'm, I'm done with the thankful stuff. I'm done with the, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm just happy, I'm to, just be happy here. to be what, here. I'm just no, happy I've got to shit be to here. Do. Yeah. I've got shit to do. We got, if, if I'm not on your set, I'm supposed to be doing press for someone else. or I've got to be working on this or someone sent me this script. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? And, and so that that's starting to go a little bit. <laughs> but, but yeah, so so yeah, when we when so that's the thing. So when I go for these auditions, so I'm still reading, I'm nowhere near this point where it's like, we want roll Coley. No one knows who the fuck I am. You know? <laughs> Unless you watch Flanagan stuff, no one really knows who I am. Or you're on Twitter and you've seen something horrible I've tweeted. So <laughs> it's it's like I just I just don't say yes a lot because mm-hmm. it's all the ticks. It's got to, it's got to, for me, it's got to be all the ticks because I don't want to be a prick. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you, you know, if you if imagine, do you know how hard it is to get your movie or your show made oh. before an actor even walks on set and it's goes, so many I'm consecutive not this. miracles? <laughs> exactly. Right. And then you got some fucking dickhead actor. He comes on set and is like, I don't want to say that. Yeah. (laughs) do you know bruv that that probably took 10 years of work for someone before they got to the point where you're on set saying no (laughs) now i know we have the ability to elevate work but like it's so difficult like marley with next exit it took it took a decade i think to get midnight mass Mm -hmm. mike mike was told no countless times and 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 even when he was The guy he is now, it was still like, he had to like, no, yes, you know, to get to this point where we're now on set. And can you imagine the person that you've employed doesn't love it? (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's why I don't care if I sound mean to anyone or I'm off putting or they're like, Oh Jesus, no, I'm paying your work. The ultimate respect. I'll be there with you fighting, pushing 17 hours, look at you know i'll obsess about it mm-hmm. for you and for your project if i like it at the beginning mm-hmm. and that's it and if yeah. i don't don't take it as a knock it's all good someone else will love it and and that's that's where that seems to have done me a, a, um, a service
0: wrapping up then my my final question would be then you know, like you said, you, you like the karate kid, like, like Danny LaRusso had a mouth on you. Do you think if you're in your, if you're in that moment, if you're Daniel, like, are you winning that tournament or are you like, no, I'm going to talk my shit, but I'm going to get my ass kicked. Or are you like, no, if I, if I, I I'm convinced I could fly if I got the timing right. Like, are you walking into that environment being like, I could kick anybody's ass?
1: No. Can you write, can you
0: cash the check that you write in that particular situation?
1: I tell you what, it's like how it's been on mass and a few other projects. I will walk into that knowing I'm gonna lose. Mm. Knowing who's better than me, um, beating myself up, never smiling, and then somehow failing upwards and winning the tournament.
0: <laughs> Just on a technicality, round I after got round a cheap
1: shot. And that's what it feels like my life's been. It's like I'm not the best actor here. I'm not that good. Um, they're better. They're no one talented. needs to know That's the score the of game
0: seven. They just need to know you won game seven.
1: Exactly. And then somehow I, the show comes out or the thing comes out and everyone's like, he's great. How did, and I'm like, I don't know how this is fucking happening. Same <laughs> with next exit. It's like, I went there, stayed loose with it. Yeah. You know, I, I admitted it. I was like, I'm doing this as an exercise. Mm-hmm. I want to be as, as real and just cool and easygoing and chill as possible. And it was definitely influenced by the job I just did. hmm. And then like, you know, we did this movie and then I never thought about it again because it's an indie and you go about your business and yeah. I went straight on to uh, Club, I think I went on to after that before Usher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, you know, it debuts and then it's like fantastic performances by Roald Coley and Katie Park. And I was, again, I won the tournament. I was like, right. <laughs> The new champion, Daniel! You're all right, Linda, so- <laughs> oh, Thanks a lot.
0: Well, I am rooting for your continued luck because oh, I want to. I want to. I want people who are bristly, protective of their boundaries and their sense of self and their own. Um, sense of safety and happiness in this world to be the ones who thrive in this industry because we need people to set a standard of integrity and decency and respect. And for that, I I appreciate your work, but for that, I think I appreciate you even more. So thank oh, you thank for you. taking the time and being here to talk to me about all that today. I'm very grateful.
1: I didn't know any of that. I feel like I just had therapy. I feel like I've shouted at you for 55 minutes <laughs> with phrases like, I don't care. <laughs> no. I don't give a shit. Um, but yeah, but thank you. I, so I thoroughly enjoyed um, talking to you about that. I don't think I've ever spoken about that before.
0: I really appreciate you coming forward and being yourself with me and here, and that means a lot. And it's the it's an incredible opportunity that I get to have with people. And when they show up and meet me at that place, it's really an honor. Oh, thank you. What a true pleasure. To talk to Rahul Kohli, uh, and truly what a true pleasure! Next Exit is. I sincerely had a really good time with this movie, and it was so, it was so emotional, and 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 dancing through so many different sort of sensibilities. Like it is heartfelt in its humor, it is heartfelt in its melancholy. I think it really pulls off a wonderful little balancing act, and I think you should go see it and support as we do here independent cinema it is on demand right now on you know most of the sh- the services the usual suspects uh and all those mike flanagan shows fortunately for all all the netflix subscribers out there they got them all he is he is an in-house prolific prolific creator for them uh and now i do have that one quick thing before i go just as a just as a tribute man to rebecca hall i i mean any anybody out there who is still you know as we all should be beating the drum for uh Oscar for Amy Adams when I think the the twin son of that conversation the two stars orbiting one another for white women intensity on screen uh the game does not get any higher than Rebecca Hall uh alongside alongside Amy Adams Rebecca Hall, is one of the most intense, dynamic, incredible performers working today. And I'm just super hung up on that right now because I finally watched Resurrection, which was a hit out of Sundance from the start of this year. It's from writer and director Andrew Siemens. And it is about uh, a woman, a single mother, an accomplished professional scientist uh, whose life is all in hand and going well until she encounters... A man from her past who brings up, at, like, to say bad memories would un- underserve the scope and the horror of the things that she experienced with this man, played by Tim Roth. Uh, and then she, everything starts coming apart as she starts trying to at first figure out, is this the man that I think it is? Uh, and it's a absolutely like chest crushing gaslighting experience turning into a resolve of like um this has to end one way or another and it's kind of like a hey one gotta go situation and i just cannot emphasize enough that if if you like acting if you enjoy movies watch resurrection if you've got a strong stomach if you have been, if you watched The Nighthouse and you were like, oh my God, I was so incredibly transported by what Rebecca Hall, the magic spell that Rebecca Hall cast in that film, she's obviously been tremendous her whole career, but I feel like in The Nighthouse and Resurrection, these two just like really heavy uh, genre films, uh, she has the ability to sink herself into circumstances and, and character traits that are so harrowing, uh, the bravery and commitment I feel like that it takes to so totally embody, uh, those two roles in particular is just so phenomenal. Um, I think these are conversations. I think these are roles that stand up in conversation alongside, like what Lupita Nyong'o pulled off in Us, like the the level of wonder of of what you know any number of like Tony Collette should have won an Oscar roles, you know, as as mom in Hereditary kind of situation. Rebecca Hall, she is a genre empress. And she should be respected as such. There is a specifically placed but shocking body horror and resurrection. Uh, When I started it, I was like, ruin me, Rebecca Hall. Yes. And then 20 minutes in, I was like, I take it back. I am scared and sad and I am alone and I need to be held and protected because this is all it's all everything happening to Rebecca Hall is so is so upsetting so yeah that's the kind of emotional night you can expect for yourself if you watch the very good resurrection and you honor the talents of Rebecca Hall like you should so there it is that's the one quick thing we just we love her and we're gonna sing her praises from the rooftops here and that is our show You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod or send us an email at at maximumfun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm JorCrew on Twitter for as long as it lasts. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun.